The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Created for community. Someone say, I was created, I was created. For, community. for community. I'm going to show you that today. I got five points about community and then five reasons you need to be in community today. It's going to be really good. Uh, so next weekend, so you know, we're going to do what we call our small groups rally. And out in the lobby, you will have an opportunity to meet some of the different small groups we have here in the church. And the intention of this is we want to get you connected in a small group. We want to get you connected to some of the community of the body of Christ, what God's doing here in the church, because you, you need this. And so we, we're going to have that all available. You can check out some of the small groups, check out some of the leaders, see if, you know, there's a, there's a vibe there, right? Uh, but also, so you know, we're looking to add some leaders. So if maybe you're, you're interested in being a group's leader, we'd love for you to, to be a part of that. You can talk to Courtney outside uh, guest central after the service is over today. Uh, but, but I really want to encourage you to dig into what I'm going to be talking to you about today, because I believe it's going to reveal some stuff that I believe is really important to us being the church God has designed us to be. Amen. Amen. So Genesis one, let me pray and then we'll dig into the word. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for what you're doing in this place. Thank you for being here with us today. And we just pray that you would speak to us and reveal your heart and your will for our life. We pray that where we're off, you would correct us. We don't want to leave the same way we came in today. We don't want to just hear a message, but we want to be transformed into your image, Lord. And so uh, we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would make this message personal to every person in this room this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Somebody said amen. 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 Sarah and I were talking a couple weeks ago about how different the world is today than the world that we grew up in. Like I'm a child of the 80s. I grew up in the 80s. Any 80s children in here? Any 70s children in here? You guys had it pretty cool too. I think that the 80s was like the best generation to grow up in personally. It was like, that's why they're making all these movies now that are set in the 80s because the 80s was dope. But I grew up in the 80s and I was a teenager in the 90s. And I, sometimes I think it wasn't that long ago, but, but I'm 42 years old now. So it's becoming more of a thing. Like it's getting further and further away. It's crazy to think like when I was growing up in the 80s, 40 years before that, World War II was going on. <laughs> crazy stuff. So, but, but when I was growing up, like it was a different world. And, and, and so like today we see a world where people can isolate themselves very easily. But when I was growing up, you couldn't do that. Like, for example, working from home, that was not a thing. Unless you were like a farmer or wanted to do needlepoint. And if you're pursuing the needlepoint game, like it's a struggle, like you're not going to do, you're not going to necessarily be rich. Okay. So if you want to work from home, it was a struggle, but let's just say, let's just say in the eighties, you got all the money in the world. And so you just want to isolate yourself in your home. Never want to leave your home. You just pursue that. It's still going to be not your best life. Cause like you can't get all the food delivered like we can today. Like now you can get, people will send you meals in a box, all ready to go. All you got to do is follow the instructions and you can have like a gourmet meal at home. You can get your groceries delivered. You can get clothing delivered. Uh, your, your, your decor for your home can be delivered. Entertainment, like all these entertainment options are just so available these days. In the, in the 80s, it was your VHS tape collection. 
And it was limited. And when it was over, it was over. Like, if you want to stay in your home, that's what you got. And so, it, but today, like, you know, with all these different streaming services, you can see any movie you want at any time. You can see movies that are in the theater right now at home, many of them. Uh, music, like through streaming services, all the music you want. Like again, in the 80s, it's your tape collection. It's the radio. That's all you got. You don't have the options. Today, you can stream anything you want to stream at any time you want. People who have no, and all music is available. All of it, even music that has no business being available is available. <laughs> you can have it. And even the church world, like in the 80s, you could, you could have a church service at home. You could watch church at home, but it was rough. Like it was a struggle. Anybody remember on, in, on like church services on TV in the 80s when they had the little, like there was a lady in the corner of the screen and like this little, this little egg and she was doing sign language. Anybody remember that? I remember that. I never knew what she was doing as a kid. I remember thinking, what is that? What's that? I don't know why. I never asked a question. I just thought, I don't know. But anyways, and then the services, the worship, like it was, it was rough. The kinds of messages you're going to hear, it was going to be interesting, you know? But today, because of podcasts and YouTube, like you can connect with pretty much any church you want to, and you can hear pretty good stuff. And, and so we, what we've done is through technology, now we've created an opportunity where we can kind of isolate ourselves into these kind of uh, self-sustaining environments that we can create. We can be very self-sufficient today. And I'm not, I'm not down on technology. I'm really not. But the danger of this is in our own little kind of self-sufficient mindset, we can isolate ourselves from some of the relationships and community that God designed us to walk in. Yeah. And we miss out. You know, we're, we've got a theme this year. We're talking about practicing the way of Jesus, Right? We talk about that, like our intention as a church is not that we would create converts. We're not here to survive until Jesus comes back, to just kind of hold on and hold out until Jesus comes back. No, no, our, our intention is that you would come to, to grow, to become a fully formed follower of Jesus, that you would look like Jesus, think like Jesus, act like Jesus, do the kinds of things Jesus did. That's, that's the intention of what God has called us to do. And so if that's our pursuit if we're being transformed into the image of God, if that's our pursuit, then you have to understand something. One of the images that Jesus displayed for us was the image of a person in community. Jesus was in community. He had people around him. You know, we know about the 12 disciples, but beyond that, he had friends. He had, you know, Mary and Martha and Nicodemus and all these different relationships. In fact, one of the names of Jesus, they called him what? They called him the friend of sinners. Like you can't be a friend to anybody unless you're spending some time with him. And so Jesus was obviously spending time in relationship. And when you look at the life of Jesus and you look at the life of people in the New Testament church, here's what I see. I don't see a bunch of people walking around kind of doing their own thing, isolated in their own little world, connected to God, but connected to nobody else. I see people connected to God, connected to each other, and connected to a hurting, dying world, making an impact on that world. And I believe that's what God has called us to do. Can I get an amen? amen. So today I want to talk to you about what this looks like. And here's my question for you. If you're taking notes, write this down. Why don't you ask yourself this question? How am I doing with community? How are you doing with community? Are you doing life with people? So I want to give you some, some reasons why you need to be doing some life 
with some people. All right, here's the first point this morning. God created us from community. One of the reasons community is important is because you were created from community. You go to Genesis chapter one, I told you to turn there. God is giving us some insight. He's kind of pulling back the curtain and giving us insight in the creation narrative into how he created this world. And when you learn about how something was created, you understand how it operates and functions. So God's creating this world. He's putting all this stuff together and he's created, you know, all the animals and he's created the, the land and the sea and the planets. He's created all these things. And now he's getting ready to create man, mankind, Adam, who is, who is a picture of mankind. He is both man and woman all in one. Everything is in Adam in this moment. So he's creating him. Look at this. It says this in verse 26. Then God said, notice this, let us, somebody say us. Let us make man in our, somebody say our. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Somebody say our. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. So God creates man in his image. He creates mankind to be an image bearer. You're called to be a person who lives in this earth that bears the image of God and carries out the dominion and the reign and the rule of God in this earth. That was the original intent. And many, many of us understand that. We understand we're created in the image of God, but what we don't understand is what the image of God was. But God lets us in on it as he talks about how man is going to be created. He says, let us make man in our. Notice he doesn't speak too singular. He doesn't say, let me make man in my. He says, let us make man in our. It's not a singular image. It's a plural image. And God can say this because God can talk to himself, which is what he's doing in this moment. And it's not like a crazy person talking to himself. When God talks to himself, he's talking to the Trinity because that's who God is. God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three individual persons who have individual personalities who function in what is called the Godhead. Three in one. That's our God. So God, listen, God himself is a community in himself. And when he created you, he created you in the image of community. So you were made from community. And that leads us to point number two, which is God created us for community. Because you were created from community, you were created for community. And because of that, listen, when you look the most like God is when you're functioning as a Christian in community. When you're connecting to other brothers and sisters in Christ, serving each other, supporting each other, doing life with other believers. In that moment, the world looks at you and what they see is an image bearer of the Father. They see something they don't normally see. You know, most people in the world are not living that way. They're not living to just support others and serve others. Like that's not a worldly idea. That's a God idea. But when we as the church, when we as Christians take up this mantle and say we were created from community, so we're going to function in community, we're going to function for community, in that moment the world looks at that and what they see is a church that looks like God, that looks like God. And so that leads us to the third thing, which is this. Number three is outside of community, it's no good. Somebody say, it's no good. It's not good. So in Genesis chapter two, 
God's creating this world, right? And he's, in, in, this, in, these, in, in chapter two, we're seeing God speak things into existence and he would speak them into existence and then, he, and then he would declare over them that they are good, right? So he creates the animals, he says it's good. He creates all these different things over, over and over again. It's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. Then he creates man in his image. And look at this with me, Genesis chapter two, verse 18, God says, it's not good, for the first time ever, he declares something is not good. It's not good. Why is it not good? That man should be alone. Alone, huh? Well, he's, I mean, you could argue he's not alone. There's animals. There's God with him. But God says it's not good. He's alone. And then he says, I will make him a helper comparable to him. In other words, he says, I'm going to make him someone like him to be in life with. Now, this is so interesting. Let this hit you. Here we have Adam, man, created. He is created perfect because that's how God creates. Everything he creates is perfect. And in this moment, it's, I mean, Adam, mankind is perfect. There's no sin in the world. So you've got man, a perfect man created in a perfect environment. And he has, because there's no sin in the world, he has a perfect connection with God. So that's Adam, perfect man, perfect setting, perfect connection to God. God looks at that and says, this isn't good. Like, let that hit you for just a moment. So, so think about this. If Adam in a perfect place as a perfect man without sin connected to God perfectly, if God would look at him and declare that's not good for him, how much more do we today in the world that is not perfect that there is sin in this world, that, that there is a lot of stuff going on that, that is not even close to perfect, how much more do we need people in our life to be connected with? God's called us to walk in community. He's created us for this, and when we're outside of it, it's not good. And because, listen, because you were created for community, because you were created from community, you have a desire to walk in community. Whether you recognize it or not, it's in you. And so when you don't have it, when you're not walking in it the right way, what ends up happening is we end up having kind of false versions of it. So when we don't have the right kind of relationships, what we end up with is the wrong kind of relationships. And we end up having like this kind of wrong perspective related to relationships, unhealthy relationships, where we value stuff more than we value people. We value possessions. We value position. We value this stuff. And we devalue people and we value ourselves, and we value our stuff more than we're supposed to. And so, I mean, you think about the world. So many of the problems that exist in the world, are, they're born out of this. Even like what we're, what we're seeing right now that's going on in Russia, what's happening? We got a leader who's trying to flex his position and his power to kind of show that, that he's the man. And so in order to do this, he's, he's not even, he's, he's devaluing the value of the people of his country and the people in this other country he's invading. So many of the problems today, pharmaceuticals, uh, so many issues. You look at these and it's people, what do they value? They value money, they value possessions, they value position. They value this stuff. And because of that, they put such a high value on that. They don't care about people. They have an unhealthy relationship with stuff. But beyond that too, what also happens is when we don't have community, we end up with counterfeit community, counterfeit community. We see this all the time. A counterfeit community I see all the time. Let me give you an example of one of them is the griping community. 
griping. Listen, if you want to have some community in your life, just start griping. I'm telling you, it's not good community. It's not healthy community. It's not godly community, but people will lock arms with you. They love it. Like just go to the grocery store sometime and be in a line and just start looking around at people and going. And you know what you'll find? Other people will start looking at you going. I can't believe this. Or, or here's another one we see all the time. I love this one on social media. Someone was posting, post something along these lines. I, I, I normally don't do this. But I gotta say something. I've had it up to here with fill in the blank, right? And what happens is there's a whole bunch of people that go, oh my gosh, thank you, sister, yes. <laughs> Finally, somebody said it. And all these comments, so, yeah, man, they will jump on board. You can post, a, post something about Jesus sometimes, post something about your family, couple comments. Post something about the problems that you see just lines up. We got a lot of people that love the community of griping. It's a, it's a sabotage. It's a counterfeit community, but it's a community. Another one is, is gossip, like gossip. You, you, another community you can form very easily. Start gossiping. Just start talking about people you know nothing about, talking about situations you have no business talking about. Just start it up. And you, you know what you're going to find? A bunch of people that just want to lock arms with you in the hot gossip today. It's, 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 it's born out of this, it's born out of this desire to have relationship. It's born out of a desire to have community. You were created from that. You're created for it. When we don't have it, we end up displaying it in the wrong way. And, and listen, I kind of get why we struggle with this sometimes. Like in order to walk in real relationship, in order to walk in real community, it involves something. It involves people and people like, let's be real. One of the biggest problems that we have in relationships is people. <laughs> if it wasn't for people, relationships would be great. <laughs> but people can be a problem. People can be difficult. They can be unpredictable. People don't always agree with us. How dare them not agree with us? But sometimes they don't. And so it makes things difficult. We don't want to be with people because people can be difficult. And then beyond that, some of you have experienced hurt in relationship. You've been let down. You've been hurt. People have done you wrong. And so we hear about something like community and we, there's a little bit of a flinch in us. Kind of like, whoa, wait, whoa, uh, I don't know. Like I've been hurt before. And what if, what if I get in a community and they hurt me? What if they reject me? What if they don't like me? What if, like, what if? So, so here's what I'll do. Listen, I'm here. I'm at church. I'm around community. I'm here. I'm not going to talk to anybody, but I'm here. And when this service is over, I'm going to get out of here really quick, but I'm here and I got God. So I got God and I got, you know, I, I'm at church, so I'm good. I'm good. But God says, no, it's not good. It's not good. The man should be alone. You need to be connected and to be walking in relationship. And this message, man, I'm telling you, this is a very near and dear topic to my heart. Because at one point in my life, I was very isolated. I had areas of my life that were isolated. And, and it was destroying my life. I grew up, many of you know this, I grew up in church. I had Christian parents that were pastors and leaders in the church. Worship leaders in the church I grew up in. 
Uh, I went to Christian school. I uh, had a lot of, you know, from the outside, things looked really good, but I had some issues. Anybody have any issues in here? Like, we get issues, right? Life has a, has a way of throwing issues at you. And one of the issues I was dealing with that was really doing damage to me was an issue with lust. Junior high, I got into some lustful thinking, and it just got worse and worse. I got into pornography. And in my early 20s, man, I was being dominated by this. And it was destroying me, destroying every aspect of my life. It was controlling me and hurting me. And I was terrified to let anybody know. At this time, like no one was really talking about this. And so I felt like I couldn't talk about it. Like no one else I knew was dealing with this. So I can't talk about it. And I'm a pastor's kid. Like I can't, especially me. Like what's wrong with me? How did this happen to me? Like I can, I can get, I, eventually I'm, I'm going to get through this. I'll, I'll get married and then this will go away. Like I'll get, well, that didn't happen. Got married and it got worse. And it, I mean, my life was a mess, but I was isolated. And the reason I was isolated is because the enemy wanted to keep me isolated. Yeah. See, here's point number four if you're taking notes. Satan hates community. Yeah. He hates community. One of the chief schemes that the enemy, which the Bible says wants, he wants to steal, kill, and destroy you, one of the chief ways he does that is he, he isolates you. He tries to get you thinking, you're the only one. You can't talk about this. Stay in your own world. Do your own thing. You're good. God says it's not good. The Bible says this in 1 Peter 5, 8. It says, your adversary, notice your adversary. You know what an adversary is? It's an enemy, right? Your adversary, who is it? The devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now, it's interesting. I was studying how lions hunt, how lions devour one time. And most of the time when lions are hunting, they kind of take a head-on approach. Like they just, they, they stay in the shadows, they stay hidden as long as possible, and then they just go run after a herd and just try to catch whatever they can. But, but there is a practice that lions will use sometimes to go after prey that involves roaring. And typically it's used by lions that are a little bit older and a little bit smarter. They know how to really do some damage. And so what they'll do is they'll watch a herd, you know, a herd of zebra or whatever it is. They're watching that herd and they're looking for an animal in that herd that begins to isolate itself. Maybe because it's hurt and it just can't keep up and it kind of drifts further and further away from the rest of the herd and they'll watch that animal. Or maybe it's because it's just not paying attention very good. It's kind of doing its own thing grazing, kind of paying attention to its own little world and it's drifted away. And so the, the lions are watching this. And when they see it, what they'll do is they'll start to position themselves to form a trap for that, for that animal. One lion will go on one side of that animal and then the other lions will kind of position themselves, not completely between that animal and the herd, but where they can close that, that gap. And then that one lion on the opposite side lets out a big roar which causes terror to hit that animal. And it begins to start running in this moment. Oh, I need the herd. And so it starts running towards the herd. But what it doesn't realize is in that moment, those other lions come in, close the gap, and that animal runs right into a trap and gets devoured. This is how the enemy works in so many of our lives. He's looking for someone who's isolated. And maybe you're isolated because you got hurt. And so it's like, ah, I'm, I'm just... I'm at church, but I'm not really going to connect. I'm going to kind of keep my distance. I'll limp along at my own pace because I don't, I, don't really, 
I, I don't want to get hurt again. I don't want to, I don't, I'm, I'm a little nervous. I'm, I'm injured. You haven't dealt with your injury. Maybe it's because you're just doing your own thing. You're caught up in your own little way and my way is, is, is really good. I got some good stuff going and so I can't really do that right now. I, can't, I don't have time for that right now. And so you've drifted and the enemy looks for you and then he, he sets a trap so that he can devour you. And this is what happened to me. I was, I was isolated and I was being devoured. But finally, the, the truth came out and I began to start talking to people and I began to start being real with people, I, I recognize like, I can't do this on my own. My way is not working. My isolated way of trying to do this is not working. And so God, I surrender my way to you. My, not my will be done, your will be done. And I began to get real with people. I started talking to people like my dad and I started talking to my wife, Sarah, and I started getting transparent with him, talking about, hey, these are the areas of my life where I'm struggling. This is where I'm messed up. This is where things are off. And I began to start leaning into more people. And what I found was in the strength of other people, I found the strength of God. As I began to lean into community, I began to find that God helped me to overcome the stuff that was at one point overcoming me. And it was interesting too, because the, the more I, I did this, the more I realized how important transparency and community was, the more I wanted it. And so I remember going up to some of my other friends and, and talking to them about what was going on in my heart, what was going on in my life. And I kid you not, every time I would talk to somebody and I'd tell them, hey, this is what I've been struggling with. This is what I've been dealing with. They would look at me and they would say, man, I'm dealing with the exact same thing. And it was shocking because here I was thinking I'm the only one and they're right beside me in life at that moment dealing with the exact same thing, thinking they're the only one. But both of us are together, but we're isolated in our own issues and we're being destroyed. But when we begin to start getting real and start getting transparent, man, God began to move and begin to bring freedom. Listen, there's freedom on the other side of transparency. There's freedom on the other side of community. And it's not just the freedom God wants you to have. It's the freedom God wants to bring to the world through you. Yeah, come on. This is not just about, you know, us becoming all that God wants us to be. That's great. But it's also about helping other people become all that God wants yeah. them to be. Your story could be something that, that is the key to unlocking somebody else's heart for the things that God wants to do for them. Come on. And so listen, not all of you can stand up here like I do or in some of our different pastors and leaders on this platform and preach, but God's given you a platform. Yeah. He's given you opportunities to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so here's what God did. Because he wanted us to walk in community, he established something. After Jesus dies on the cross, after he makes a way so that we can be connected to God, then what does he do? He establishes the church. And the church is not a system. The church is not a building. The church is you. Look at the person beside you and say, the church is you. It's you and it's me. We're the church. And God established the church to be a vehicle through which we could connect to God. We could connect to each other and we could connect to the world. And from the very beginning, we see that it makes a huge impact. Look at this with me. This is Acts chapter 2, verse 42 talking about the New Testament church, it says this about it. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the sh sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them. They were like, wow, right? <laughs> and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders 
How many know we live in a world that needs to see some miraculous signs and wonders coming out of the church? Let it be in our time, Lord. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while, praising God, and check this out, and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. They were enjoying each other. It says, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So we see this group of people that are connecting with each other, and God is, is moving in the middle of that. And actually, as they're connecting with each other and sharing with one another and supporting each other, God is adding more people to the family. And so, so here's what we see in this New Testament church. It's not about a bunch of perfect people. Listen, the church is not going to be perfect. You know why? Because you, the church... So you ain't perfect and I'm not perfect and the church isn't going to be perfect, but it's not about being perfect. It's about being connected, connected to God, connected to each other, connected to the world. That's why we do stuff like serve Saturday, next Saturday. You should come. It's good. We're connecting to the world, serving the world, being disciples, being who God's called us to be. But look at this. It says in verse 46, let me, let me point you back to this. It says they worship together at the temple each day. This is the big group. This is like, you've been in the mall and they've got the, you know, the thing up there in the mall and it's like, you are here. And when you know where you are, now you can know where you're going to go, that whole thing. Okay. Today you are here. This is the big group. This is the big group. And this is good. And this is important. It's important that you come to church and notice these guys are coming to church every day, like every day. And so that's what we're going to start doing. I'm just kidding. We're... <laughs> But if they can do it every day, can't you do it once a week? Yeah. Like, can't you do it once a week? Like every week? Not just like, like the trend that they say today is people come to church two out of four Sundays a month. Like, I, I just want you to know, I'm not okay with that. And I'm not going to say that that's okay for you. It's not. You need to be at church. You need to sit under teaching. You need to come and be connected to each other. You need to serve something bigger than yourself. You need this, and that's what you get through the church. That's what the big group helps you do. But notice it goes on to say, met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. That's the small group. So we see here that this, this Acts 2 church is meeting in big groups, and it's meeting in small groups. And I believe this is one of the keys to us being a church that sees God add great things to our church Miraculous things begin to take place. People are added. People are getting saved. Why? Because we're doing the word. We're obeying the word. We're meeting together like we're supposed to. So let me give you five more points as we get ready to close here. Five uh, reasons why you need to be in a group. Here's number one. Groups connect us to one another's. Groups connect us to the one another's. There's a phrase that's used over and over again in the New Testament. Jesus used it. It's all through the writings of Paul. It's that phrase, one another's. It's all over scripture. It says uh, 59 times it's listed. It says we're to be devoted to one another. We're to live in harmony with one another. We're to love one another. And I want you to notice these are, these are commandments to the New Testament church. Like this is what we're supposed to be doing. We're to accept one another, instruct one another, serve one another in love. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Somebody say amen. amen. Support one another. 
Build one another up. Confess to one another. Bear one another's burdens. Admonish one another. Submit to one another and on and on. Here, here's what we see. In the New Testament church, the primary activity of the New Testament church was one anothering with one another. Yeah. Why? Because when you one another with other people, what you're saying is this is not just about me. Yeah. And really, it's not just about you. It's about us. Yeah. It's about God. And it's about us. And it's about the world. And so we're to one another. These are, these are commandments. So, so how do we want to, listen, you can't one another by yourself. Yeah. Just can't do it. So if, if we're called, if this is what we're called to do, in order to do that, we need a laboratory through which we can do it. And that's what a small group is. It's a great way for you to connect with the other one another's in the church and be obedient to some of the call of God to the one another's in the church. You can be devoted and serving and, and, and lifting each other up and admonishing each other and doing all these things we talked about through groups. So groups connect us to the one another. So here's number two, groups enlarge our view of God. It's interesting what can take place in a small group. It's in a small group that you can get a bigger view of God. Because here's a problem that we all have. We all share this problem together. We all are limited by our experiences and by our understanding. That's a limitation that every one of us has. But when you get into a group with somebody else, now something happens. Now you have somebody else's experiences and you have somebody else's understanding. And so God becomes bigger because you see from somebody else what God's done in them and it encourages you and builds faith in you for what God could do in you. You've probably all experienced this before. Talking to somebody and they start sharing a story with you about how God spoke to them, what God did for them. And it makes you go, oh man, if God could do that for them because he's the same God yesterday, today and forever, he could do that for me. He did that for you. He healed you. He could heal me. He spoke to you like that. He could speak to me. He used you to, to talk to that person at, at your work that you were kind of nervous about talking to and you did it and, and God helped them. They got saved. Maybe God could do the same kind of thing. Our, our view of God gets bigger when we get smaller with certain people. And listen, again, it's not just about your view of God. It's about God using you to do the same thing as somebody else. You speak something into someone's life and it sets them free. It changes their perspective on God. Groups in, in, enlarge our view of God. Here's number three. Groups help heal, help us heal and be healed. Groups help us heal and be healed. You know, you need a person in your life that can talk to you about your junk sometimes. Like we got issues, Right? And sometimes we need to talk to somebody about our issues. Now, listen, you don't need to talk to everybody about your issues. Like I see people, sometimes they hear this message and they get excited. And it's like, okay, we need to talk about our issues. Hear ye, hear ye. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's not smart. Don't talk to everybody. But you do need some people you can talk to. You need some people in your life that you can get down and dirty with about what's really going on. You guys remember the story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet? You know, in order for him to wash the disciples' feet, he had to get in between their toes where the yucky stuff was, where the gunk was, and dislodge it and remove it. Feet are gross. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are. Feet can be gross, but, but God, Jesus, Jesus, the Son of God was willing to go there. Why? Because there was stuff that needed to be dealt with. And there's people in your life and you, listen, you probably got some junk in between your toes. Yeah. 
needs to be dislodged. So in our groups now, that's what we're going to start doing. We're going to start washing feet? No. But it is important that we get together with people and we talk about that stuff. We're willing to bring it out and say, hey, I got an issue. I'm struggling with fear. I'm struggling with anger. I'm struggling with lust. And I need you to hold me accountable. Accountability is so important to who God's called us to be. And accountability is, listen, it's not, I'm not talking about a false accountability where we just kind of put on a show and man, I've, I've seen some of that take place. That's, that's not helping you. I'm talking about being real, like really being real with people about where you are. Like I'm, I'm telling you, I, I pursue this so hard in my life. I'll, I'll talk to Sarah about like, you know, hey, I feel insecure. Like I'm dealing with this right now. I'll talk to her about the stuff that's going on. Why? Because in order for me to get that stuff out of my life, I got to get it out in the open. Yeah. I expose it to the light so that because in darkness it thrives. So we need people in our life that we can get real with. And, and here's what it says in James 5, 16. It says, confess your trespasses. Confess your, it's talking about your sins. Confess your sins to one another. That's, there it is, one another. And pray for one another that you may be healed. You may be healed. Now notice, understand this. You don't confess your trespasses, your sins to other people so that you can be forgiven unless you wronged them and you're asking for forgiveness. But you're not, you're not asking, like you, you go to God with that. You confess to them so that you can be healed. Because it's through that transparency, it's through that being real with someone else that you, you humble yourself under the hand of God. This is what he asks us to do. You humble yourself, what does the Bible say? And then he'll lift you up. Something miraculous begins to take place where you, you see the power of God displayed in your life in a powerful way to help you move ahead in what God has for you. You with me this morning? So forgiveness comes from God, but healing comes from God in relationship with other people. Here's number four, small groups create big impact. I was thinking this week about some of the most impactful moments of my life, like my top 10. And when I really thought about it, there was only like two that really came out of a big group environment moment. Most of the most impactful moments that have taken place in my life took place with just a very small group of maybe one to two people where somebody spoke something and man, it just helped me see something like never before. Like I remember talking to a guy one time and he, he said something to me about forgiveness that changed my life, like changed my life. I remember talking to one guy, I was a teenager at the time, just me and one of my high school buddies. And I was kind of sharing this idea that like, I wasn't really sure God could use me. And I don't even think he knew what he was doing, but he was being used by the Holy Spirit. He spoke something to me that just totally made me see, man, God could use me. Like, I didn't think God could really use me, but I, I, I could see how God could use me because of that moment with that dude. I, I remember in conversations with people hearing about some of the hurt that people are dealing with. And it made me, it opened me up to some of the hurt that may be going on in the world. It's, it's in these small moments. It's in this, those moments where we're willing to get real with someone else that God can help us to see things that we've never seen before. And it can create big impact on our life and in the lives of other people. Small groups create big impact. And then here's number five. Groups bring out the best in us. It's in small groups that God can bring out some of the best in us. You know what the best in you is? Christ in you, the hope of glory. And it's in small groups that, that you can really create a, an environment and stand on a platform that allows Christ in you, the hope of glory, to be shown through your life and the life of someone else. So here's what the Bible says, Hebrews 10, 24. I don't want you to wrestle with this verse a little bit this week. 
want you to study this verse. Think about this verse. He says, let us consider how, how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Consider this. This is what I'm trying to help you do today. Consider this. Consider how you can be spurred on to love and good deeds. It's interesting that that word spurred on there when it talks about being spurred on. I used to ride horses and I've actually ridden horses and worn spurs before. And the reason that you wear spurs when you're riding a horse is because it, it, it enables you to kick that horse. It doesn't like hurt them really bad, but it goads them to go. Like it, it's a little bit more of a like, oh, I need to go, right? And that's what this is talking about. Like some of you need some people to come alongside you and give you a little kick that says, hey, it's time to go. Like, let's go, let's roll. Like, we gotta get going here. You need that. You need iron sharpening iron relationships where there's a little bit of sparks flying, where people rub you a way that helps sharpen you to become the image bearer of God in this world, to be who you're called to be. You need that a little bit. So let's consider this. Look at verse 25. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Listen, I remember last year, and, and if you're watching online, I love you. I'm glad that you're watching, but I, I hope that you come to church soon if you haven't, because you need this. Like I remember when, when COVID hit, you know, a couple years ago, it's almost been two years now. And I remember at that time, like we were all talking about trying to make the best of this as a church. And I remember hearing pastors that were saying stuff like, aren't you so grateful for technology? This is just as good. We're happy to do this as long as we need to. And I remember thinking at that time, I'm not happy with this. Like we need to get back together. It's not the same. I mean, no, it's not the same. Online's great. If you need it, great. But, but if you can be here, we want you to be here because there's something about being in the house of the Lord. There's something about being connected with other people. Community, God created you for this. He created you from this. It's necessary. You need it. And we're living in a world today where it's becoming the habit not to. There's a lot of people that fell away. There's a lot of people I haven't seen in two years. Yes. And from the, from the greater church, man, their church attendance is down. People dropped off. And it, what does it say? It says not giving up, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. This is speaking to the day of the return of Jesus. And as we get near that, there's going to be a falling away. There's going to be people that drift and they believe the lie that I don't have to go to church anymore. But you need to. You need community. You need to be connected. There's something powerful that takes place. God brings out the best in us. Why? Because when we get together with the intention of being a community, godly community, you know who shows up? It's not just you and it's not just this, that person. God shows up. Yeah. Like when you show up in that coffee shop and you start talking to that person and sharing with that person, talking about the things of God, studying scripture together and being real with each other, man, God shows up. You get outside of these rows and you, you, you create some little circles in your home and you pull out the pigs in a blanket and man, God shows up in the middle of the pigs in a blanket. It's powerful. And God created us for this. He created us from this and it's necessary. And we got to pursue it. We got to pursue it. You know, as much as I've, I've learned how important community is, it's something I have to fight for. It's something I have to be very intentional to go after. I have built things into my life that help me to stay in community, that help me to stay connected with people because it's important because the, 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 the default thinking that I think a lot of us can have is I got this. I can do this on my own. I'm, I'm growing. I'm getting, I'm growing in God. I'm, I've got to mature. And part of me maturing means I don't need people like I once did. No, no, no. That's, that's not a kingdom mentality. 
kingdom mentality says, I'm growing in the things of God. And so I recognize I need God more and I need people more than ever before. You need community. Don't listen to the lie of the enemy. Don't listen. You don't have to be isolated. God loves you. And he's created an incredible gift called the church. You're the church so that you can connect with other people and be all it is that God's called you to be and help other people become who God's called them to be. Amen. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.